Welcome to the Digging Deeper Podcast. I'm Stacy Martin. Here are two things about today's podcast. It's going to sound different and it's going to look different. And that's because we are sitting on Jason's front porch. And here is Jason's dog. This is a little inside scoop. His chihuahua named Coco Chanel. <laughs> Isn't she sweet? I love that our lead, pa- <laughs> our lead pastor of direction has a, has a chihuahua named Coco Chanel. So we are here sitting on Jason's front porch. And the reason we're here on your porch is because we are kicking off a series called The Art of Neighboring. Yep. And you and Jessica and the girls just moved into a new neighborhood. And what better way to talk about the art of neighboring than to actually sit and look at all the houses on your cul-de-sac of all your new neighbors. Yeah, it is uh, the timing of this series lined up with our real life happening this way is really cool. I think it's, it's gonna be super challenging for us in some really good ways but I have a visible reminder of the importance of what we're about to talk about every single day I walk out the front door. Yeah, I told uh, Jason, for those of you that are old enough, there used to be the show called 227, <laughs> where they would basically sit on a front stoop and do the whole show. Yep. So this is our version of 227 on a podcast. Love it, love it. <laughs> well, so there's a funny thing about community, because we talked about, you kicked off the sermon series talking about that Forest Hill is one of 101 churches that are participating in this series. And there's something powerful about that. And then on this weekend, we're also one of thousands of churches participating in World Communion Day. Mm -hmm. So you have like the collective buying power of unity of community. But then when you put people together, separated by walls or by a third of an acre or what have you, it gets messy. Why why is community, why does it feel like there's a double-edged sword there? Yeah, I think the... The X factor is unity is great. Unity with proximity starts to open up uh, the doors to your closets. It starts to open up the junk drawer door. It starts to make the vulnerability of people um, that factor be heightened in a unified relationship. And so you're exactly right. I mean, we love the power of being united around one thing and all together until we have to be so close that I see all the messiness or that you get to see my messiness. So I think that's part of it. And the honest truth about all of it is that really when we get this close, we are going to bump. There is going to be friction. Um, you know, there's, there's a reason why Robert Frost wrote that line about, you know, fences make good neighbors. And so that's part of what we're Well, people are weird. All of us are, right? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, we, homo sapiens, are weird by nature. Like, God created us, and there's nothing in Scripture that talks about that he made us weird, but he, like, we're we're innately weird. Gotta be his inside joke. I, one of my favorite things about God is that I think God is really funny. And, you know, again, that's not in Scripture, but I see things all the time. I'm like, oh. You, you little trickster. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. If you think about it, you read through, and we don't need to get off on all this, but if you read the way Jesus teaches and the way he talks so often, he uses humor that we miss sometimes because of the language barrier. But yeah, I think God is the first stand-up comedian. Yeah, I love it. So what is the weirdest thing that you've ever experienced from a neighbor? <laughs> well, uh, the last neighborhood that we lived in, about six or seven houses down, there was a family that had this dog, and the dog's name was Hank. And um, Hank apparently had been friends with a dog that had lived in our house previously. Not Coco Chanel, but some dog before. Because Hank would come over to the house all the time uh, without his owners knowing. But Hank and my uh, previous dog friend there must have also enjoyed marking territory. So Hank would still come to our house and leave presents for us. Um, it would be on the driveway. It would be on the sidewalk. Uh, it got up where he came on the back porch and at one point left one in a shoe. 
Is and Hank so a big dog? Hank is one of those medium-sized okay. dogs. You so know, it's, a kinda sizable looks like it's a sizable present still. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you notice. Yeah. <laughs> so Hank finally, I'm, I'm so tired of this, I walk back to the neighbor's house one day and I'm like, hey, your dog keeps getting out and coming over here and delivering things to us. And the lady looks at me and she looks down and she goes, Hank, stop that. And then she looked me back in the face and closed the door. And so I'm thinking like, this is either the most genius dog ever or that lady totally just blew me off. So like three weeks later, Hank comes and delivers another gift to us and it's right on my uh, youngest daughter's scooter. So we go outside an hour later, she steps on the scooter to get, get going and it's all over her shoes, right? So I'm like kind of angry at this yeah. point. I load the scooter up. I drive it down to their house and in my mind, I'm gonna walk up the driveway and hand it to her and ask her and Hank, since he's so smart, to clean off the scooter. And I get in the driveway and walk around the corner and they're having a birthday party for their four-year-old daughter. No lie, the little girl comes running out and she's like, did you get me a scooter for my birthday? <laughs> so I, everything is flashing through my head, like how I can never work at a church again because I've just plotted this terrible thing. I'm going to have to move out of the neighborhood. And I just carried the scooter back to the truck and make up some excuse that I was at the wrong house and went home. And like, that was the end. That sounds like an episode of the King of Queens. We were, I was literally just watching a rerun of this the other day and there was the barking dog that wouldn't stop and yeah. Carrie and Doug have to go down there and yeah, and it's the same thing. Oh, that's painful. It was rough. We had a neighbor right out of college. I was, a girlfriend of mine had a house up near the university area and she had a pool in the backyard. It was this lovely pool. So we would all come over and hang out. Apparently the neighbor felt like we were all godless heathens. And to some extent she was probably right, but she would throw holy water that was attached to a parachute over the fence with like little notes about where's your eternity. And it would, we would, you know, be sitting in the pool, like hanging out, listening to music. And all of a sudden this, this parachute uh, sh shooted holy water would land in the backyard. That is a genius strategy. We may need to incorporate Forest Hill, be on the lookout for tiny parachutes. Spontaneous baptisms. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, what's the weirdest thing you've done as a neighbor? Oh, because that's the thing. How I, many people watch this? A or lot. listen to this? I'm a lot. Right. But that's the thing is I think, you know, we can all say, like we can throw stones. Yeah. You know, my neighbors are so weird, but surely there are things that we do. What's the weirdest thing you've done? So thinking about this, um, I think the weirdest thing I've done lately, how about this, is my daughter and I went to this obstacle run through the YMCA, and it was one of those where you're just trashed. Your clothes, just, they should be thrown away, but instead I'm like gonna keep them, but they're not ready to go in the washer. So I decide to like hang them out in the sun to at least get some of the, you know, the, the, the help from the sun. Um, and I hang them over the fence, but most of them are hanging on my neighbor's side of the fence. And I'm thinking it's just going to be for an hour until they dry and I forgot them for a week. So literally my brand new neighbors are experiencing uh, our clothes hanging over the fence. They're automatically thinking that you're some redneck Louisiana pastor that does, right. well, I mean, it's a little similar, but that is doing their laundry outside, that yeah. you're going to be drying your clothes on the line. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Just do it in your own yard. Just do it in your own yard. Yeah. Well, for us, we were talking about this earlier, but with my kids, you know, they're seven and a half and four and a half. So both my kids were potty trained in our house. And potty training in the Martin household looks a little bit like peeing off the front porch. <laughs> and it's not that I meant to. Well, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, who actually means to train their kids that way? But there, are, there has been full frontal nudity from my front porch for my children for a lot of years. Because they just, I won't even know it. And all of a sudden I look out the front door and one of them is leaning hips thrusted forward through the railing, peeing. And I know my neighbors think, what is wrong with her? I mean, now they know us well enough to know that, like, we're good people. We just have some questionable 
child rearing yeah. tactics. Is this the time that we ask anyone to move in our neighborhoods? <laughs> We'd love to have you live next to us. <laughs> My HOA has flagged our account. <laughs> they hear this and they're like, oh, the Martins. Uh, oh, are the you Martins. on next door? No, yeah, we're not. But our neighborhood <laughs> Facebook page is crazy town. Yeah. It is. It's a really good place. Like today, I was actually thinking about it. They posted, there's a family in our neighborhood. Um, the mom is getting ready to start chemo on Monday. Mm. And so somebody posted a sign-up Genius League to, to bring them meals. And I don't know this family. Our, we live in a big neighborhood out in Waxhaw, and I don't know this particular family. But I thought, I'm going to bring her, I'm going to make chili and bring it to her. And it, it partly was because of this sermon series. I thought, normally I would probably say, well, I don't know her. Mm -hmm. I've got other friends that I could be doing this stuff. I don't know this family. They don't live on my street. They're a couple streets over. I actually really don't, I don't know if I have time then. I mean, I signed up for a November date, but I thought, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to make her chili. Good for you. But that's where the next door neighborhood Facebook page actually is useful as opposed to some of the other ways it's. We, we get a lot of pictures of the dog presents in people's yards that say, if this was your dog, don't do it again. <laughs> if this was your dog, he's going to the pound next time I see him do it. Yeah. Well, don't do it next to the pastor either. Oh, gosh. So you talked a lot about Matthew 22, um, which was kind of Jesus's greatest commandment. You know, where he's there's it's actually a Pharisee, right? That's trying to stump Jesus. Right. Like, tell me what tell me what the greatest law is. And I love that it connects back to the Shema in Deuteronomy, which is like an, an, in the Old Testament, it's this idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your might, all the things. Um, but then he adds, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I, ha I read a Christian author one time said that if, if what she is learning about the gospel, if what she's learning in church or in any sort of Christian context does not glorify loving God first and then your neighbor, then it, she feels like that's, that's a filter that she's going to use to make decisions. Hmm. What do you think about that? Well, I think I like the principle that's there. Like everything should be leading us to one of those two places, a demonstrated love and an experienced love for God and for neighbor. I think both of those are important, right? That you are, um, you're living it, you're feeling it, you're growing in it, but then also it should be moving through you and outwards to others. So I appreciate that. The hard part about that is um, what could you not put in one of those categories if you do it with the right motivation? If you choose to see it, I mean, it could be the way that you work in your yard. It could be how you neighbor. It could be, um, you know, the kind of books that you choose. All of those things you could do in a way that is loving towards God or your neighbor. So I think, I think that's a pretty general category um, that you can make things fit. My problem, and I think most people's um, that I talk to, it's not the action it's when I get down to the motivation. Mm. It's when I go one step deeper in my own, you know, why am I doing that good thing? Like I could look great on the outside. Yeah. But when I realize that it's either self-serving um, or that, you know, there's some other motive that's not good. I mean, that, that's what one of the things that C.S. Lewis, you know, said before is um, the difficulty are not the bad things that we do. It's all of the, and the way that he said it was, it's our damnable good works. It's the good things we do for the wrong intentions. I think, I think that is, I think there's something about those motives. I think that's key because so much of it's like, well, I'm going to do this because either it makes me feel good, yeah. which is not innately bad because it does, I mean, it does feel good to love somebody well. Hey, Jesus but, said in this, and we talked about, this is the way to find life. This oh, is the best right. way to live. So it's not that, yeah, that we should push that away because it's good as if you only do things that hurt. Um, but yeah, I interrupted you. It's it's about the motivation. Underneath. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Well, a lot of times, even for me, and I've I've heard myself say it today. I'll say, not my people. They are just not my people. I meet somebody, I'm like, they're not my people. But 
if we think back to what we talked about in the first John series, all people are eternal beings. How do we shift our mindset? Like if we feel like our motivation and maybe even our motivation and how it connects to how we see people are connected, but how do we shift our mindset of our neighbors being eternal beings as opposed to being, they're just not my people. Mm, gosh, it's so hard because the everything about our experience says focus on the right here, right now, what you can see and touch and that's it. That mm-hmm. the material world is is all that's really real, right? And yet we, ha- we know, especially as believers, we know that there's this other thing behind a very thin veil. And, and the more that I live, the more I think that veil is super thin yeah. <laughs> between you know, what's physical and what's spiritual. Um, so we know that's truth. And I think it starts, honestly, I'm going to say this a couple of times today probably, it starts with a prayer that we do to allow God to remind us, to ask him to show us what's really going on behind the surface or underneath the surface. Um, So that is true. There is no such thing as a temporary being. Mm -hmm. Every person that you have met is eternal. So if you happen to find a way to start every morning by saying, each person I run into today, I'm going to look at and think of they will last forever. And they're going to last forever in one of two states. Either experiencing all of the goodness of God Mm -hmm. or experiencing the complete absence of everything good in Him. But that is the case for every person you bump into today. That's such a better way of saying, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? You know, I think a lot of times people think about neighboring is is evangelism or passing out tracts. And maybe there's some of that, you know, but... I think that's what puts people off from getting to know their neighbors because they feel like the responsibility is, well, first I've got to learn your name and then I've got to build a relationship and then I've got to ask you about your eternity. But I love that it starts with even seeing people like that. Even for me, I've had, because, you know, we all have difficult neighbors or we have, you know, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, actually the worship leader at NODA, her, um, his wife, and she was talking about, because they live in an apartment, a complex, and just how hard it is to share walls with people. And, and I thought, gosh, you know, that's so true. We... We, we get in close proximity with people who actually do things that are feel hurtful or mean or inconsiderate. And for me, I love to think about, I don't love to think about it because it's hard, but that hurt people hurt people. That not only are people eternal beings, but there's always something deeper. Yeah. It's, not just, it's not just what we see on the surface. It's not, uh, it can become cliche, but I've heard it said, you know, that every person that you meet is fighting an invisible battle. And if you, man, if we try to allow ourselves, obviously we're not going to do it perfectly. And you're going to have moments where you're totally stressed out about your own life. But if every chance that you could, every effort that you and I could take to look at somebody and go, there's something raging in them um, under the surface that I don't know about. So I'm going to give them a little more grace, a little more mercy, a second, third, 15th chance. Um, And it changes the way that you interact with people. It really does. Well, I, I love that so much of this series is taking a really simple method to getting to know your neighbors. I love the magnet and the grid. Um, For those of you um, that are listening online and that don't attend Forest Hill, there's this great book called The Art of Neighboring by Dave Runyon, and he's actually going to be on the podcast, which I'm really excited about. But he simplifies it to say we live in a nine-block grid, like a tic-tac-toe board with your house, your address in the middle. And it's as simple as first knowing the names of the people around you. Why do you think there's so much power in... being known or knowing someone? Mm. Um, Gosh, that is a great question. And it's such a great start is to say the power of being known, the identity. I think that is at the deepest longing of every single one of us. It has to do with our disconnection from our creator. Um, And even, you know, if you don't believe that that we are created beings by God, like that's okay, I would just ask you to consider this. Um, That if we were, 
let's say we assume that, that the disconnection that happened between us and our Creator has caused us to be unable to identify ourselves correctly. Mm -hmm. We are always then in a process, um, in a cosmic process of trying to understand who am I and what am I for? What is my purpose and what's my design? So the simple fact of being named and being known by your name begins a step towards being known. And I think we're craving that so deeply um, that, I mean, in, in fact, you could look at some cultures that give the names of, you know, to people based on how they look or a characteristic of them. Um, that would be true in the Jewish culture, right? So many of the names in scripture, you read it and you're like, wait, how did this happen? He meant, his name meant fool and he acted like a fool. His um, name meant big hairy arm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's Jacob and Esau. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, th I think that's a part of it. There is something about us that wants to be known by our true name. Mm. And you know what's so cool is it, it talks about how um, in heaven that we are going to receive this new name. And I don't think it's new in the sense of, um, you know, you were John and now you're Michael. I think it's new in the sense of this is the fullest expression of who I intended you to be. Now you know everything that I meant for you. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. Can you fill out your grid? Can you, can you put names in all nine or all eight quadrants? Yeah, not yet. Um, and again, we haven't been here too long. Yeah. From my old house, um, I wasn't able to. <laughs> Jason's um, sprinklers just my, came on. Yeah, so uh, we're good. Um, in this is my, just real life. In real life right here. Uh, we're trying to get grass to grow because we just moved into the neighborhood. And, uh, and your neighbors hate you because you don't have grass. <laughs> they do because it, it looks rough. Um, so yeah, my new neighborhood, I don't know all the names yet. We've met um, those folks and we've met those folks over there. That's Jen and Kevin. Um, and then we've met a couple of the people down the street right here. And um, it's been like a super fun exercise to even line up with this. The other night we were uh, in the den and we were kind of looking out the window and we saw that some neighbors had brought their kids to kind of play on their bicycles out in front of the grass. And like, let's, let's go get our bikes right now, let's go. This is an opportunity. Um, and even just being that intentional about saying, I'm just gonna take a step to meet them. We're not having this super deep conversation yet, but I'm just gonna go out there and be like, hey, I know we met before and I forgot your name. Can you Can remind, you remind me? me? I'm sorry. You know, there's something about powerful about even just being that vulnerable. Yeah, I think people don't want to admit that they've forgotten your name. Like right. the vulnerability of saying, I, I'm sorry, I know we have met, but tell me your name again. Yep. I love that freedom when somebody says that to me because then I'm, I can say, I don't remember your name either. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, I love that you guys made it a priority. It's interesting. I was talking to some girlfriends this morning and they were reminding me of that metaphor about the rocks yep. about how like when you are trying to create priorities and say your life is like a giant glass container you've got to put in the big rocks first and then fill it with the gravel and then the sand and the water and if you don't if you do it flipped then you're not going to have room if right. you put the gravel the sand the water in first then the big priority things don't fit so if we in the season were to find margin for that and make it a priority you, you might have said, you know what, I'm not going to rush through yeah. cleaning up the dinner dishes. Because yep. what's a priority right now is to go out and meet our neighbors. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, how else are you and Jessica going to do that, you think? Um, a couple of the things that we're trying to do are whenever we feel like we're settled. And that, that honestly, that's a big part of this, right? 
every single one of us can go, I need my house to look a certain way, or I need, I mean, forget that. It can be, I need to move into a different neighborhood, whatever. We can have all kinds of reasons why we don't, but we're just going to intentionally try to invite people in and make this year, and, and I got this actually from Dave Runyon in, in his book. He talks about this, like, we're just going to do our best to make this year different. What would happen if we gave it a year to try to be hospitable to people in a new way, um, to try to engage with people even when it's inconvenient, and just see what happens. And so, you know, that's it. We're planning a gathering of the, the four houses closest to us to come over and, and eat. And then I think when we get close to Christmas, you know, we'll try another one of those things. Well, Halloween seems like a natural, like, which is a funny thing to talk about Halloween in churches. There's like all yeah. this kind of weird, people don't know what you're supposed to believe. Right. It's, you know, whatever, it's trick-or-treating. And I'll probably get some ugly hate mail, but it's trick-or-treating. Yeah. But I feel like, I mean, talk about the fact that you are walking door to door in your neighborhood and everybody's outside, what better way yeah. to say, now instead of just saying trick or treat, we move on. Hi, I'm Stacy Martin, these are my sons, you know, Michael and John, this is my husband, Mike. Yep. I mean, it's a natural way, and that's just coming up in just a couple weeks. Yeah, and I would say, is there another day in the entire year where everybody in your neighborhood is out? I, I can't think of one. Yeah. Um, maybe if you have a really good neighborhood group or HOA group that'll throw a, you know, a party for back to school or something, but it's the time when your neighbors come to you for the mm -hmm. first time. And so I think you got to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, I think we need to do everything that we can during that time to say, like, if, if you don't feel comfortable with going in all the costume stuff and the craziness, I get that. But be available. Yeah. You know, be accessible to people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what holds you back from making relationships with your neighbors? Oh, time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's that big rock thing you just talked about. I think we're full with family. For one thing, we've got a lot of family that lives here. So we've got a lot of uh, relationships already built in. Jessica's from here, so there's friendship. Yep. Um, so it's the intentionality of making time for people who aren't in our natural path, yep. right? That's a part of it. Um, if I'm really honest, though, I could blame it all on time. I think some of it is I have to start over with letting people get to know me. And that process feels sometimes scary. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we all have, especially with new people, you're trying to keep up the, the best face possible. But you also, um, everyone comes with a long history. So it's do. like, how much, how far back do I have to go to, for us to get caught up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a part. Of, and all, all you can do is just push through that. You know, like, I, I think that's a part of what Jesus is saying. That's what makes this whole um, act, art of neighboring thing super simple and yet also terribly difficult mm -hmm. right it's it's simple it's not easy yeah and it's because I'm gonna have to say it is worth it to follow Jesus commandment to love those people closest to me and in my path to take extra time to allow them to get to know the real me yeah that's good it gets hard it is hard well and you guys are in an interesting place too because you've got three daughters yep uh, two are in high school right both are in high school uh, one's high school one's middle school one's high school one's middle school one's elementary school yep. and they're all in new schools this year yeah and that's a big deal yeah. at all at all three levels. Being in a new school, well, how, how are you guys commissioning your girls to do this? It's funny. I was talking to them the other day about what this is going to look like because we're doing um, this art of neighboring thing at every level. You know, even through the church, high school, even with their younger kids, we're talking about it. And um, I just said, hey, what would stop you from just introducing yourself to the person at the science table with you? Um, and one of the things they said was like, that's just not the way that you do things. Like, there needs to be a natural entry point otherwise you look you could look desperate 
you know, um, which I get that. I think, yeah. and I was like, you know what? That's no different than adults. Oh, gosh, yeah. We feel yeah. the same kind of, oh, I don't want them to. Like, do I look too eager? Do yeah. I look like I don't have any friends? I need new friends. That's right. So what we're trying to do right now is say, well, then just let's take advantage of the, the natural interactions that come up first. And when you get like the door open, just walk through that door. If, if they're not ready, or if I would even say anybody who's in our church, if you're not quite ready yet to step mm-hmm. all the way in with somebody, then um, you could even pray for the opportunity for that to take place. Oh, I think, that's I think good. prayer is a huge part of this. I think you're right. I even think about, you know, it's one thing to think about lockers or the science table or your neighbor, but think about the implications of even being in a cubicle. Yeah. I mean, that is, gosh, if that grid is not already built out for you in cube land and yeah. corporate America, yeah. I have lived in, you've lived in cube yep. land. I've lived in cube land before and you are sharing walls with people for eight hours a day. Yep. What does it look like to either pray for the opportunity to get to know that person better or to just learn their names? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, really cool. Well, what is the one thing that you would say to somebody who's listening um, as we're kind of wrapping up? What's the one thing that you would say to someone who's like, that's fine and good, but you guys are... Like you do this for a living, right. you think about people. I don't, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't really like people or my neighbors are really like, I think they grow pot in the backyard mm-hmm. or they've got a dog that poops in my yard all the time. Or, you know, they're just, I, like, I don't even know how I would begin. What would you say is the yeah. first step? Uh, so I think if that's where you're starting from, and I totally understand that, then I think the first step is, uh, and th- are we talking about a person who's like trying to follow Jesus? Trying yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. I so think I think so. if that's your first motivation, if that's your heart, then I think it begins with a prayer to say, God, even give me the desire to do this. I mean, part of what we've talked about in all this is God's sovereign working behind the scenes at things like mm-hmm. neighborhoods he's put us in and all that. And I know mm, it yeah. can sound so... Uh, almost hard to believe, or like, is everything determined? Yeah, like pre, you know, I think predestination is like a weird yeah. churchy word that means that everything's been planned for us, yeah. which feels kind of like the matrix or something very yeah. strange. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's the algorithm. The actually. algorithm. But, <laughs> yeah, So, but I think, I think that prayer to know that God has an intention for that. He doesn't mm-hmm. waste anything. Um, we could probably try all day to figure out how he used my desire to move into a certain neighborhood or a house going up for sale that fit what we needed at just the right time to match up with his desire for us to interact with a person that he placed there too. We could, yeah. we could debate that and think Absolutely. about that all day. Here's the thing. Um, we can either live like that is true or we can live like that is, um, is a fantasy. Um, and which is the better life that you want to have? So, I want to live so, like it's true. Right? So yeah. let's go back to the, you know, why would I take that step and do it? Forget if you want to, even I'm a realist, you can forget this whole idea that there may be a long-standing relationship that comes out of you getting to know your neighbors. Here's what the, the statistics, the research says, that people who know their neighbors live longer. That neighborhoods that where the people know each other by name, crime is 60% less. That in a, in a you know, emergency situation, it's going to be your neighbor most likely that's the first to come to your rescue and help you out. So if you want to be a pragmatist about it, let's just do that. But my guess is the second that we take that step of doing what God intends, even if we're not all the way in on his reason for it, that he shows up. Well, some people could listen to those stats and say, well, that sounds like a sociology class I took or a what, but that's the kingdom. Like that is the kingdom come, like less crime, that's the kingdom. Right. Relationships, people helping each other, that's the kingdom. Living long, healthy lives, that's the kingdom. Absolutely. Like those are all fruit of living kingdom lives. That's it. 
Yeah, I love that. Well, would you pray for us as yeah. we are closing? And uh, y'all, thanks for hanging with us. This has been fun sitting on Jason's porch and yep. living real neighborhood life. Sprinklers coming on, birds over, traffic, dogs. Like this is this is what it is. This is it. We'll be back in the studio next week. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> would you pray for us? Yeah, absolutely. God, thank you for the truth that we um, we read in your scripture and that we've even just talked about here that you are in charge of all, that you are in the process of um, bringing and reconciling everything to yourself, everything in the universe, but that includes our streets, our neighborhoods, our houses, God, our families, you are in all of that business. And so what we are gonna do um, and what I would ask that you would help us to do is to trust now that you have placed us exactly where you wanted us. And that if we will simply take a small step of obedience, that you meet us and make up the difference. That loaves and fishes were not just a story for 2,000 years ago, but they happen with our best mm -hmm. efforts, even at being good neighbors now. So we love you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks so much, everybody. We look forward to seeing you next week. Check out more of our resources online, or you can watch um, even some of the sermon series. If you're not part of Forest Hill and uh, didn't hear it the first time, go to foresthill.org and you can watch the message for the art of neighboring. Have a great week.